Welcome one, welcome all to another edition of Gridiron Gallery. I'm your host, Zach Kyleman. Today we're going to be diving into some more XFL content, something I always enjoy doing for this show and that we're going to be increasingly doing as we move forward. Yes, I'm going to cover other topics in the football landscape. Do not worry. Those are not going away. You're going to get your NFL conversations with Tony and Michael still. You're definitely going to get your arena or indoor football conversations. Hopefully more with Scott, by the way, as I did enjoy that last episode, which you should check out. It was a really informative episode on kind of the landscape and turf war of the indoor football scene. But for this episode in particular, as well as moving down the line, we're going to have a new affiliate for this podcast if you haven't noticed already on twitter or facebook we are now affiliated with xfl newsroom and if you were very familiar with xfl newsroom you might know that it is one of if not the largest news site for xfl content on the web yes i am very much affiliated now with the site this podcast will be there and we'll have new xfl episodes updated there don't be worried though if you did look for podcast episodes on XFL Fan Zone. We're still going to be sending those to Fan Zone. I made sure that we did keep that affiliation as well. So, yay, we have two new affiliates. I'm so excited. Uh I cannot be happier to be affiliated with both XFL Fan Zone and XFL Newsroom. Uh definitely have gotten in with the Newsroom guys a lot as we have gone forward in these last few weeks. They are very much talented individuals at both the podcasting and writing front which by the way i myself will also be writing for the team i already have had one article published for xfl newsroom talking about the lessons that the xfl 3.0 ownership can learn from spring football leagues of the past i recommend you go check that out it was a very prominent article on the site and it still has a lot of stuff that you might have missed or might be considered good information for the league moving forward but for today we're going to be talking about primarily two topics in general uh first off we're going to discuss in particular something that has been quite actively discussed in the xfl community as of the last few weeks and that's xfl to nfl signings those have been seeming to tick up in more and more frequency and there have been some pretty high profile players or much more recognizable players that are getting looks or have been signed so we'll discuss a few of them in general and just uh, give some thoughts on those and also just my positive vibes towards these players but we're also going to give a few thoughts on what the XFL 3.0 ownership has done so far and just what we're kind of waiting on at this point because to be honest with you all the news cycle for the XFL has really slowed down to a crawl ever since that August 21st finalization of the sale of the league and uh, of course we weren't expecting it to all rush at us fast and efficiently but we did expect, I think, something more by now. There there had been some talks on potentially certain aspects of the league that were going to be decided by then. I will touch on that when we get to that section, but for now, let's dive into some of the players. So on the XFL news front, we've mainly been hitting up on players that have been signed or have been trying out. And for this podcast in particular, I'm going to just kind of wrap up and give you guys the scoop on players that have tried out or signed. And a little bit more I'll touch on with one in particular player that really was higher name recognition that made some waves not only in the XFL news cycle, but especially on more of the mainstream NFL news cycle as well. So 
Let's knock this stuff into first gear. Uh, first things first, Jeff Baddett and Austin Proel did try out for the Chicago Bears. So those guys tried out for my favorite team in the NFL, which made me quite excited. Uh, Jeff Baddett was considered one of the top talents for the Dallas Renegades. He was recruited as one of the top talents in the combine for the XFL and did see some decent action in the Dallas Renegades offense that Hal Mum ran. Um he wasn't as, I would say, front page news for XFL when it comes to receiver talent, but he did make his own impact. So it was nice to see him get a chance with Chicago. Meanwhile, Austin Prowell, on the other hand, that is a name that many of you probably recognize, was very much a flashy receiver, kind of reminded us of a Wes Welker, Julian Edelman type. Uh, he had a pretty good connection with Brandon Silvers out with the Seattle Dragons, and he also had a tryout with the Chicago Bears as well. Now, I will mention, as a Bears fan, got to be honest with you, that's going to be a pretty crowded receivers room, even if they were signed. Uh, I know that the Bears themselves are already dealing with their own receiver battles as well, and it's kind of a tight room. So I would not expect them to get signed on. I think that Chicago is probably just kind of gauging what other talent is out there, giving out tryouts as well. Maybe there's an open roster spot. So I don't know if they'll be able to be signed. Out of the two, I would prefer to see Austin Pro well, just simply because I don't see the Bears having as many of those sneaky slot receiver types uh, that I have noticed. So I would like to see someone like Pro well make that roster if he had the chance. But I don't think there's much guarantee there. We haven't heard much news since from the tryout, but we wish the best for both of them as well. As for the side of signings, we had quite a few linemen recently go to NFL teams and fill in some spots, whether it's just needed open spots for rotation due to injury or actually having a legitimate shot at making the roster. These guys are getting their time to go back to the NFL and prove their talent and prove their worth to these NFL coaching staffs and scouts. So let's take a look at some linemen that have made it up to the NFL ranks or at least have been signed on as late. Uh, the first one that we can kind of knock off was Pace Murphy, the offensive tackle for the Dallas Renegades. He is now staying in the Dallas area. He'll be participating with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys right now are dealing with injury issues themselves at the moment as their starting right tackle, Lael Collins, is currently dealing with injury issues as well as for uh, backup tackles Cam Irving and Brandon Knight. So uh, obviously Pace Murphy is going to have some time to show off his skills, uh, gives him some rotation. He's going to be going up against some good talent, by the way, as it sounds like Demarcus Lawrence has been the main competitor for those who are available on the Dallas Cowboys roster right now to play tackle. So some good practice. Maybe he can impress. We'll see what goes on. Uh, there's no, again, no guarantees on any of these signings that they'll stay, but it's nice to see that you get some XFL talent that's being recognized and is at least getting a chance to jump onto a roster. Uh, staying on the offensive line front, John Toth from the D.C. Defenders, he was signed on to the Cleveland Browns as of late. Uh, similar to the Dallas Cowboys, the Browns are just also dealing with their own injury issues at the position. Uh, J.C. Treader currently is recovering from a knee procedure that he had uh, just a day or so before training camp actually began. And so 
right now they only are dealing with rookie center Nick Harris. So getting Toth in there, again, another rotational piece for practices, but he also gets more repetition and more exposure to coaching staffs as well as scouting. So he does get in on a team. It does give him more exposure. We wish the best, and hopefully maybe he makes an impact. But it is going to be hard considering that for the sake of the Cleveland Browns, they are pretty well stacked at the center position, but maybe he can make a breakthrough and possibly make the 53-man roster. Switching to the other side of the ball for defensive tackle would be Ricky Walker, who was formerly playing for the Tampa Bay Vipers. He was also signed on to the Cleveland Browns. This one, this signing, I think, has more of a potential... This signing, I think, has more potential for staying power. Uh, Ricky Walker was a solid note. This signing has much more potential, I think, for staying power. Ricky Walker was a solid nose tackle option for the Tampa Bay Vipers when he was playing, that is. Uh, He did play for two weeks out of the five against the New York Guardians and then the Seattle Dragons, tallying eight combined tackles and a QB hit. However, he was kicked out of the game versus the Houston Roughnecks, so... If we put this all together, uh, obviously that does not bode well for getting extra time. He was inactive for one of the two final weeks of that year, and he did play sometime in the game against the defenders, but didn't tally any stats. But apparently his first two weeks was enough to impress scouts to where they were able to say, okay, we can possibly look at Walker as a rotational piece. Uh, Part of the reason that Walker was brought in actually was due to rotation in particular because right now the Browns only have two nose tackles that I am aware of one being of course Sheldon Richardson the other being Jordan Elliott so they have been taking the majority of the reps in training camp practices add in Ricky Walker and you get not only a third person rotation practices but when you consider that defensive lines generally need a good rotation to rest their starters to allow them to get the most energy per play. This is probably a good signing at the nose tackle position to get a rotation. Walker, again, did show promising signs when he was with the Vipers, and I think he has definitely the potential to make an impact for the Cleveland Browns, a team that has been trying to build up its defense to be a star-studded roster for some time. And with a good rotation, you can consistently bring a good defensive presence on the field. Good signing by the Browns. I think he'll possibly make the 53-man roster. No guarantees, of course, but everything that I'm reading says that there is more of a potential chance for him to land with the Browns come week one. Now, our final signing is the one that really made the most impact in the news cycle. Again, not only with the XFL communities and the news sites that we have in our well-knit communities as well, but really on the NFL front. Uh, Cam Phillips, I hope most of you that are XFL fans know who he is. If not, I'll explain. Uh, Cam Phillips was signed to the Carolina Panthers this week. He was the leading receiver in the XFL in yardage and touchdowns. He was one of the stars of the league. He actually was the number one receiver option for P.J. Walker, who, if you know P.J. Walker, was on course to be the XFL's potential MVP candidate at the time, and they also were leading an undefeated Houston Roughnecks squad that had the best offense in the league. Needless to say, Cam Phillips has been sitting on the sidelines waiting to get signed by a team for some time. And I understand that receivers positions, of course, have more competition. There's a lot more receivers out there, and there's a lot more fighting for those roster spots for those receivers. However, I was shocked with the production that he had 
games, tallying just under 100 yards a game, with one of them being a three-touchdown contest, it amazed me that he did not get much exposure or didn't even get much of a hint at signings at the beginning. And finally, Carolina lands him because they are looking to fill in a roster spot, mainly because they have a few injury issues of their own. Uh, For example, some of the position players for the receiving core, uh, Omar Bayless, Keith Kirkwood, and Seth Roberts, all are dealing with their own various injuries. So Matt Rule, who already signed P.J. Walker in Carolina, by the way, because of their relationship in their college days, uh, decided, all right, let's bring in Cam Phillips, which here's the deal. With P.J. Walker on the roster, there is a much better chance this guy can impress, mainly because of the chemistry. If you pair him up, with Walker during practices. Obviously, that's going to be boding well, and I think Walker gives him the best chance to impress. Now, Phillips, I think, is also a very talented receiver with or without P.J. Walker as well. Uh, He definitely had a hard time breaking into the NFL. I understand injury issues were part of the reason why he wasn't as heavily recruited or scouted well in NFL circles. He did land on the practice squad for an undrafted free agent going to Buffalo, but Didn't have much action after that, which is why we saw him land with the XFL, and he broke out. Now he has a legitimate chance, I think, of trying to make a roster. Now the question is, how much of a chance, like how much of a fine line is he going to be handling? Well, talking to Matt Rule, according to ESPN, uh, Matt Rule looks to keep roughly six to seven receivers on their roster. Now, considering that, there's already three that are injured. One of them is Seth Roberts, which Roberts has been around the league well enough, and that's one that I would have to pin as a solid option that if he recovers from injury, I think he could make the roster just from his body of work. But you also have to look at the other receivers in this room. Uh, Three of them that I know are going to be locks. You're not going to get rid of these three are DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Robbie Anderson. Moore is the future of the Carolina Panthers at the position. Robbie Anderson is one of the hot, deep threats in the NFL as well. And Curtis Samuel has been one of the great underneath threats for the Carolina Panthers for some time. Uh, But the other ones that are really fighting for these spots, uh, for the last four spots in particular, if we're stretching it to the seven receivers that we're talking about, are Brandon Zilstra, Farrell Cooper, Tommy Lee Lewis, Ishmael Hyman, and Markin McKell. Now, the only one that really stands out to me is Farrell Cooper. Cooper has been known to be a special teams threat as well as a receiving threat, so he has a high chance, I think, of making this roster as well. I'm not very familiar with the other ones on this list, though I do want to say that they may have had some action as well. No guarantees. I I'm not very sure of their of their previous record. However, if we're looking at just the body of work Phillips put in, Phillips, I think, would have some sort of a leg in this race just for the amount of work he put in in the XFL and the fact that Walker's on this roster. I think there's a high chance he could make this. He's going to really have to work for it, though. Like I said, when it comes to receivers and landing spots, it's a really dog-eat-dog world with the receiving groups for training camps. So he is really in a tough field. I think that he can make it work, though, if he digs it out. And I think, in particular, P.J. Walker being on that roster helps his case tenfold. Now, the most impactful news in the XFL community truly has been the finalization of the sale for the league itself to Dwayne Johnson, Danny Garcia, and Redbird Capital Investment Group as a whole. We've all been ecstatic, I think, to see that the XFL is going to breathe a new sign of life 
into us football fans and that's going to be resurrected once more into possibly a very exciting product and entertainment product out there for those that are massive football fans like myself and like you, the listener. Uh, how do I think they've been so far? Well, there's really not been much news. That's kind of the problem we've had a lot as our news site, XFL Newsroom, is we have not been seeing much news out of the league. Um, there has been, of course, some interviews that Danny Garcia's spoken, of course, like with People Magazine or The Athletic, you know, saying what she has for intentions for the league, whether it's expansion, mostly on the media front. And yes, we did discuss what expansion means for them. Where no one's expecting the league to expand instantly in their next season. But I think it's not unreasonable to consider expansion within the next three years, as long as there is a successful launch to be possible. Remember, Birmingham, Alabama is still trying to get an XFL team. And as recently as of early this month, they were already talking with other news sources saying that they were still trying to pursue a conversation with the new ownership group. So Birmingham's not out of the question, nor is expansion of teams simply because you have a city actively looking to get a team in it. And I cannot argue against Birmingham. If you look at how the Birmingham Iron were when they existed in 2019 for the Alliance of American Football, the, the league should expand to Birmingham. It should be one of their priorities. It's a mid-major market. It's in the South as well, a little warmer climate. It's in a football-intensive state in Alabama. And Legion Field, as much as there is a new stadium being built for the University of Alabama-Birmingham going on, Legion Field is a historical site, in my opinion, for football in particular. I would say... For the case of that Legion Field's been a spring football hub, go play in Legion Field. I would choose to play there. But the XFL, I think, needs to continue its conversations with Birmingham. If and when that happens, who knows? But they've been actively pursuing that. So expansion's been a talk, and whether it's media, whether it's teams, it's nice to hear about that term in particular. Uh, now for executives and coaching, we've heard a few things. I know the executive team of Jeffrey Pollock is supposed to be retained. We're supposed to be seeing the group of Jeffrey Pollock and his other executives that help handle the sale come back to the XFL. We also understand that Danny Garcia, who looks to be the figurehead and the main executive moving forward for the league, she looks to be trying to bring back a lot of the former infrastructural employees. We also heard some reports that apparently there might be team coaching signings or at least trying to re-up deals with coaches. Um, that's not completely confirmed, I would say, and so far, it was supposed to happen during the week of this podcast. I have not heard anything myself, nor of my other colleagues, and I'm not going to stay in that conversation yet, just because there's not been really any concrete evidence. Uh, a lot, the only thing I've heard so far was actually from MJ Hurley, who has been talking with a lot of former coaching assistants and the like, saying that they're kind of acting similarly to the rest of us fans as we're cheering on the league, but they're not really sure what's going to happen next. So that's probably the most credible thing you can take from this is that there is still some work to be done, of course. This league is still rebuilding. Remember, they tore pretty much everything off the league when bankruptcy was filed. Almost every employee or player or coach was let go. So they have to build this from the ground up from scratch with only the execs that handled the bankruptcy sale and the new ownership. I don't think coaching is going to be made that fast, 
but they do need to make it soon only because if they want to play in 2021 like they're talking about decisions need to start being made and we need to start hearing about movement towards that direction considering as well that the cfl also just canceled its 2020 season there's a lot of prime talent that's sitting out there that you need to capitalize on and start trying to see if you can persuade them to play in the xfl not everyone in the cfl has has opted out of their contract but they're allowed to do so so why not give them an option to play since they couldn't play in the summer through the fall for themselves and just let them come to the XFL. These decisions do need to be made sooner rather than later, and Jeffrey Pollack, when the bankruptcy sale was going on, did say that it could happen, but it needs to happen faster. And I don't know if they completely want to do this yet, because 2022 is also an option, but the question becomes, of course, do you want to give up the opportunity of being the one football league that has the safest and most viable broadcasting option Or do you want to completely build this up, do a Vince McMahon style of preparation, giving the league a year and a half to prep, and then restart in 2022, most likely when the virus will have been stabilized enough through vaccine research? These are questions we have to ask ourselves, and these are questions that the league is definitely asking itself. Uh, So far for me, if you want my personal opinion on it, I do not mind seeing a 2021 season, but... If I have seen anything in the history of spring football, and I am very much an advocate of the history of spring football itself, unpreparedness is one of the biggest sins that you can have for spring football in particular. I'm telling you right now, if you want to have a prepared, re-upped, and reimagined XFL again, if you want the same magic that the XFL brought back when it started spring of 2020, I would advise waiting a year and a half. And then you can start building up your team again. You can start trying to work TV deals better. Don't try and rush people back. That's my option. Otherwise, you need to get as many people back from the original league as possible. Otherwise, I don't see this being as successful of a launch. I'm going to be honest with you. I do want this to work because I love the XFL. I love spring football in particular, but I want the best for it. With that note, I must say tread carefully and tread wisely. And with that, that's going to do it for this edition of Gridiron Gallery. Thank you very much for listening in, everybody. I appreciate the support I've been getting since I have joined XFL Newsroom, by the way. And I look forward to really helping build the site into something that's even greater than it already is, by the way. We have a lot of excellent content creators and podcasters joining the XFL Newsroom. And if you do want to join as a writer, be sure to sign up. Go to the website, go and fill out a form. We are interested in finding writers for the site and I recommend that you sign up and you try and write something that maybe you're passionate about. And if that's the XFL, then take that opportunity. Be sure also to follow this podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All those you can find at at ZK Podcast for the podcast pages. You can also follow my personal Twitter at at Zach Kyleman. And be sure as well to leave a five-star review at the end of this podcast. If you did like this, be sure to leave that review. It does help us out. It does help us with learning what we can prove on each episode. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the next episode, whether it is XFL, NFL, indoor football, and much more. Until next time, guys, thanks for tuning in, and stay tuned.